Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Welcome everybody to today's episode. We have the amazing opportunity to hear from William DeMille. He is a pioneer in his field and has so much knowledge. It's I'm so excited to talk to him. Like literally so excited to talk to him. So William, will you take a little bit and introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you. So I'm William DeMille. I'm turning 50 years old this year. That means I have gray hair and I'm a grandpa now. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I've been farming my entire life. My first memories are milking cows, feeding chickens, gathering eggs, growing gardens, riding horses. That's just what I am and who I am. So I grew up in Hurricane, Utah, doing all of that stuff. And then I went on a mission for my church. And that was a two-year mission in Southern California, the big city. I had never been to a big city before. And when I got there, I it was, you know, culture shock, obviously, to go to a big city. I had been in a city, but to live there was different. And I noticed that people were... Uh, you know, eating from the grocery store 100%, which is what people do. But in the podunk town I came from, we grew a lot of our own food. And so that was another culture shock. So while I was on my mission, I thought, I want to teach people how to grow food. And that's kind of what I've done for the rest of my life. I've grown food to sell. And I have taught people how to grow food. So anyway, that's me. So wait, where do you live now? Then Are you still in Hurricane? No. So right now I live in northern Nevada in the Humboldt Mountains in a little place called Clover Valley. It's about a three hour drive from the Salt Lake City area. Oh, OK. So what brought you then to writing a project for Lemmy? So that was a great time in my life. I had just moved from a farm in Missouri to Utah, and that's when I met Tiffany Earl. And I had this idea that I wanted to start uh, teaching uh, more full-time because I had taught some garden seminars, but I thought, what if I could make this my full-time job? And so I got to talking to Tiffany about this and she said, this is incredible stuff. I want you to write me a, a, a curriculum for the Lemmy group that I'm doing. And we talked about that back and forth and she thought, and she just really pulled the information out of me and said, we need this. We need you to uh, put this in a package so that these kids can get this. And I was thinking, okay, I normally teach adults. I'm scared of kids. And so it was it was pretty fun. But now I love teaching kids because kids are the smart ones, you know. <laughs> I totally agree. I, I'm way more intimidated to teach adults than I am kids. It's because like, they're way more forgiving if you totally mess things up or say things wrong they laugh at you whereas adults will like judge you so i'm totally with you there they're smart ones so then your project that you help write with tiffany is called georgics can you explain to us a little bit about what the history of that word is yeah so georgics is a fun word it was created by the roman poet virgil 
And he he just created the word, but it comes from ancient of geo, which means earth, like geology is the study of the earth. And then auric is work. And so to do work with the earth, to do something with the earth is a Georgic thing to do. So if we, um, you know, sit around in an office all day, farmers like to say those people don't do any work. They obviously do do work, and that's what makes our world um, happen. But uh, a person with a Georgic mindset, they love to be working with their hands, building things, creating things. Uh, so the Georgic tradition is actually a literary tradition, meaning literature. And the, it goes back 700 years before the Roman Virgil to a Greek named Hesiod. And he wrote a book called Works and Days. And that's a it's a fun read. Mostly you wouldn't want your kids reading it. It's a little weird, but uh, it's it's a good one to once you're an adult, read that book to get a get an insight on what Georgics is and where it just started. But there's a lot of modern authors of the Georgics, too. Uh, you know, Victor Davis Hanson, uh, the Yale University put out a book recently that was all about Georgics. And uh, people there, there's several people writing about going back to the land, working with the land. So that's kind of what Georgics is. So this is me just thinking because that's what my brain does. But while you were talking, I was thinking, is it a crucial thing for societies in which their ultimate goal is for the individual to be free and therefore like democratic? So like Greece was a democracy, right? They, they were striving for the individual to have be participant in their own sovereignty. And so their culture came you know, laid a foundation in this earth working. So then my next came, thought came to me is, is this earth working essential in your opinion for democracy to thrive? Is there a connection between like working with your hands and be, working with the earth and freedom? Uh, yes, absolutely. And that's what history absolutely teaches us is that we have to have that connection. As soon as we get to the point where we're too smart to grow our own food, we are too smart to build our own houses, and we hire a lower class person to do that kind of work for us, then our society falls. We lose our freedom. Things like socialism, communism, other oppression comes in. Uh, and that's exactly what happened to the Greeks. It happened to the Romans. It happened to the in the Anglo-Saxons. It happened in the East. You can read about that with the, um, the Chinese, the Japan uh, histories. So every history, that if you read it enough, you will find that trend that happens all the time. And the fascinating thing is that every society, there's a point in their society right before they fall when the majority of the people, like 99% of them, will say, oh, well, yeah, it happened to all those people before us, but it won't happen to us. And that's exactly where we are today. We are saying today what everybody else said, which is, oh, we're too advanced. We, are too, we have too much technology. There's no way that we will fall. Freedom's not going to go away. Everybody knows how important it is. But, uh, man, why can't I find a carpenter to build my deck? Where's the plumber to fix my toilet? Where and, and now that's the problem. We don't have people who are working in the trades enough that we can even find them. 
anymore. It's hard to find someone. Let me just ask you this. How many of you who hear this have your own personal farmer? Let me ask you another question. How many of you have a personal CPA to help you with taxes? Most of us. How many of you have a personal mechanic to work on your car? How many of you have your personal um, doctor, a family doctor, if someone gets sick? How many of you have a midwife if you're going to have a baby? And how many of you have a farmer when you want eggs that are not astronomically expensive? Not very many of us. And I've been saying this for over 20 years, and it's been fun to say it. And it's funner to say it today because people are starting to believe it. Well, I just, I, my my mom has, um, she's now a mental health therapist. So she's kind of done a little bit of a different career track. And, and so she's full into that addiction recovery and, and helping people manage their anxiety and all these things. She specializes in youth. And I was talking to her and I said, why is there this huge spike in this among kids? And one of the things she's, she referred me to is there's this study back, I think in the 60s, they called Mice City where they took all the mice out of the country and they put them into this small confinement. And within seven generations, the behavior in the mice, I mean, mice generations are pretty fast, right? So it's not like seven, you know, it's pretty fast. But the behavior of the mice was so opposite of what a healthy mice, like existence in the wild would be. The, 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 like, there was like all of the, it, there would be these isolation mice would isolate the mothers would stop grooming their children so the children would suffer like it just basically all the problems you can explain <laughs> happening in our world today what you could see in this little mice city and so she's like well i think it has a lot to do with the fact that we've taken a, a community out of us squished us all together and then taken us and separate us from so much of what is natural so that's just why i was like <laughs> curious as to like your point of view on that, because I think, I think you're right. Like I know Cicero, that was what he called, that he just was the prophet at that time saying, we're going to crash. We're going to fall. We're going to fall. The Republic can't stay if we continue to have this master slave relationship and we no longer educate our children in what it means to be Roman. And they laughed at him and they mocked him. And then, you know, we know what happened to him and the Republic ultimately. So it's just interesting correlation. So then if I am a parent and I don't want that to happen <laughs> or I want to prepare my children, what what are my options? Okay, so the short answer is let your kids go outside and get dirty. Let them dig holes in the lawn. Let them climb trees and risk falling down and breaking an arm. Let them play. Let them do things in nature. Richard Louvre wrote a whole bunch of books about nature deficit disorder, that, which isn't a real diagnosis. He says that in his book, but it's a fascinating thing to think about. The reason people are the way they are today is because they don't have enough outside time, not enough nature time. We protect our kids way too much. Am I saying we should put our kids in danger? No, but we need to have our kids have experiences that give them some of the realities of life. And, you know, I mean... Do we have to grow all our own food? A lot of times people have accused me of saying, you're saying everybody has to be a farmer. Well, I don't want to be a farmer. God 
sent me to this earth to do a different type of mission. I totally agree with that. People have all kinds of missions, but every human needs to have an experience with the earth, like all the time. We need to be more involved with Mother Nature because it makes us different people. There was another great book called The Three-Day Effect. And when you go into a different, uh, like you, you go out of your, whatever your environment is, whether it's in, if you're in your house all the time or, or whatever, but if you go somewhere different, after being in a new environment for three days, your mind will start doing completely different things. Your mind will start learning new things. It starts rewiring the way things are happening. The way you make decisions changes. And so that's why going camping is great. The problem with going camping is it usually happens for one night and, you know, it's not long enough. We need that three-day effect so that our minds actually switch and change. That's why being outside in a garden for a lot of the year is really very helpful. It's helpful to our mental health. It's helpful to the way we make decisions. And, yeah. I I totally agree with you. I've, I've always tried to grow a garden with my little family. It's just, it's something that's like just my sanity piece. And I'm not always been effective, but I've always just like, wherever we are, I've always have a, a little garden either either my house, like in a little plant, the windows or put it. And the reason why I grew a garden was because I had the opportunity to serve um, admission for my church and I lived in the former Soviet Union. So um, I lived in Latvia and as we would walk through these different buildings, we'd get led into a building and um, they're like these, you know, Soviet buildings, like solid concrete, creepy, like they could fall at any second in an earthquake kind of a building. And as you'd walk, like all of the hallways between the, like the elevators and where people's windows were, or apartments started, where any light was, were plants. There were just plants all over the place. And, um, and then as I started to see like on the corners, there were people selling flowers all the time. And I was like, this is weird. Like I could, there's so many little flower shops here. There's so many little plants here. Like, what is the deal? And as I got to start to talk to more people and get to more more people and older people, they said, we grow things because that's where we have beauty when they took everything from us, we still had beauty and we still could create something. And, um, and so that's why we grow things. And it was weird to me because like they weren't growing food. Like why weren't they like, why weren't there just like, you know, tons and tons of food. It was flowers. It was beautiful things. It was like, they should have been growing food because they were hungry, <laughs> but they were like more were like more invested in growing flowers and growing beautiful things. And I think that has a lot to do with like their desire to want to be to be free and experience beauty and they just whatever way they knew how and so for me i was like i walked away from that experience thinking if i can create beauty in whatever space i'm in then i can you know work it, it, it's a huge benefit for my life yeah yeah that's incredible i think humans were born to be artists we were, were born to create something and, you know, sometimes that's hard to understand when I say that, because I say that a lot to people who were born to be artists. People think I don't have any artistic anything, but everybody is a creator. We all create something. There's something we are passionate about doing. 
and being involved in nature and the processes of how the earth works and the ecology of the environment we live in is creation. We were born to be stewards and to take care of things. There are certain elements of the earth that simply obey what happens, like the dust will it will come up in a wind. It obeys the wind. It just comes up and it blows around. We've been having a blizzard here today, and a lot of the snow is going horizontal, and it's simply obeying what the wind is making it do, okay? But humans don't really obey humans have a different role and i think that the role is to love if we love enough then things will obey us out of love not out of force and that's the beautiful thing about understanding the ecology we live in is that by us doing very very small things gigantic things can happen in the environments that we are stewards over uh, a different way of saying that is the land we own can flourish and blossom and become beautiful and it can create anything we want, whether it's flowers in a Soviet block house or if it's um, food from a greenhouse and we're feeding our community or if it's, um, you know, a herd of cattle or a pasture, whatever it is. I know that a lot of people are becoming more and more interested in growing their own food. I mean, my own son, my, my 16 year old son is like, he wants all of a sudden he wants to grow a garden. He wants to be able to feed himself. And, um, with everything going on in the world, I mean, just the price of eggs, <laughs> um, people are starting to get more interested in that. How can, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how can, I mean, yeah, we have in at Lemmy, we have Georgics, what will they learn in Georgics that will help them with this? You know, I think the Georgics project is uh, focused on the principles. Uh, just the fact that we are not an island. Uh, one person who has a gift or a talent, they don't just go out on their own and we pursue that selfishly. Uh, our gifts and talents are meant to bless our family, our community, uh, the entire world. And as we, you know, focus on on the idea of self-validation, where we become really good at something that we are blessed with. And then that leads into the idea of, of mission, where we can actually help somebody else who may be suffering or who may need something. And, and there's the idea of providence, where uh, not only do we have support from the great people here on earth, but we also have support from a loving Heavenly Father who wants to give us everything possible. If we simply will get busy and do the work, then he will give us, you know, thousands of times more than we can do on our own. And, and of course, that could lead into starting a business and, and the whole idea of entrepreneurialism, where we can create something that can help uh, many, many people. So these are some of the basics that uh, the Georgics Project uh, works on. I know a lot of the books that are read, the classics that we go through in the Georgics program is all about watching how other people live and one person makes a bad choice and the class discusses that. Are you going to make that choice? When you're faced with this type of thing, what are you going to do? And then we see people in those books, those classics that uh, make good choices. And how can we emulate that? How can we make those good choices, even when we're stuck in a in a bad situation? 
So just to help develop the young people to know what it is they want, to understand who they are, to bring out their own gifts and talents, and to see into the future of what they can do to make society a better place. I like how you started, you know, we laid the principles. And I think that's one of the things that let me try to, I always try to focus on that whenever I do training. It's like this, these are the principles in which we're trying to teach. These are the principles of the American founding. These are the principles of like this, this project, right? But I, I sometimes feel like people will be like, well, why do I need to understand this principle? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever experienced that or if, what, if you have a response for that when someone says like, what's the point of us knowing this principle? <laughs> like, what, what do you say to people if they, if they t- ask you that question? Uh, that's actually a hard one because you don't know what to say to people. That's the honest truth. Uh, you know, a person who grows up understanding the the beauty of principle, then they get it when we talk about principles. But if you grow up in a culture that doesn't really emphasize the importance of a principle, that's a harder one because it, you there's not a quick answer. Because to understand what a great principle is, you have to go through some stuff in your life and you have to figure out that living the principle is how you get through a hardship or how you achieve a goal. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's one of the things we do with Lemmy, though, is, is, I mean, the whole, all of the projects, they're principle-based. We're giving these kids the opportunity. I think that's awesome. And Georgix is giving them the opportunity to learn these Georgic principles. Absolutely, yeah. And and that is the genius of the whole project, for sure. One of my favorite lines in um, Thomas Paine's American Crisis paper is, he says, um, the present winter is worth an age. And I love to just dissect that sentence with, with whoever I get to discuss that paper with, because to me, being someone born in, you know, the 20th century and not necessarily understanding what winter is because i've never really yes there's been some big snowstorms or ice storms i've experienced but i've always experienced them inside of a home and my whole livelihood wasn't preparing for winter and then you know spending the next year preparing for winter and surviving winter like winter doesn't really mean i think what it meant to you know the soldiers in 1776 right it's a totally different meaning and then I like to be like, okay, so why is he comparing winter to an age? And while you were talking, what thing that I really try to help people understand is just what you're saying, like there is cause and there's effect. And what he's trying to help you understand is you spend this three months fighting in this revolutionary war and you can create like the golden age, which we see is the result. We can look back and be like, yeah, there's 200 years of world prosperity and freedom because these tiny freezing men decided to, tough it out this really miserable winter right but like like that comparison is so hard for us to grasp if we don't have any relation to winter does that make sense yeah absolutely uh i teach a lot of soil health and one of those principles is context and i think that's what you're talking about here uh we need to have context to how these things apply to the rest of our life 
And, you know, if we study history, we know that our the times are changing right now. Um, I, you know, I don't have a, a, a seer stone. I don't can't see into the future. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 years. But I have studied history enough to know that in 20 years from now will be very different than the past 20 years. Uh, because the simple cycles of history are changing. So the importance of understanding the, the what we learn in the Georgics project is it's really vital because the world that I raised my kids in is not the world that they're going to live in. And it, it's hard because for the last like three or four generations, the world has kind of been the same. But every time we get to the big crises, about every hundred years, the last one was World War II, the one before that was uh, would have been the Civil War, and then the Revolutionary War. Every time we get to these major big shifts in history, the world completely changes. And we are at the end of that era where we are going to see a big crisis right now. Uh, when COVID hit, it looked like that might have been the crisis. But I think that was the beginning of the crises. And people, I see people just like recently when they're saying, man, I'm glad that COVID thing's over. And that's like people when at the time of World War II, and I mean, I mean, World War One. When World War One got over, people said, man, I'm glad that's over. Guess what? Great Depression. Guess what? World War II. It was all one thing. World War One, Great Depression, World War II. That was one moment in history. And I think that's where we are. And so from my perspective and the way I understand life, I think every youth in the entire world needs to take the Georgics class. It doesn't matter if you are going to ever grow food. It's not about the food. It's about building a foundation on your own two feet in your own life so that you can create a community that is going to give you what you want. That's beautiful. We're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using, because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. I, I also think, though, like, there could be an external crisis that's going to hit us. I mean, obviously, like you said, we don't have a sea of stone. We can't see in the future. But I personally am aware of an internal crisis that I feel is just destroying people. It's destroying people. There's so many of my friends who deal with chronic anxiety, chronic depression, you know, who are, who, I mean, I, I struggle. I mean, like, uh, and, and so I feel like my, and so many of the youth I mentor, this is just, you know, this is their life. Like they, they have all these diagnoses and all these, uh, you know, issues where they can't function. They just can't even function on a daily basis, like get themselves out of bed and brush their teeth and the simple things that we, a generation ago, we didn't really see 25% of kids between the ages of 12 and 15 dealing with this. So I think even though it's like, yes, the crisis could be coming, that's going to be more external. There is a crisis right now internally that you're having to deal with as a parent. So I think it's really an empowering thing to be like, look, there's tools we have. They've worked for the past, as far as we can look back in human history, 
and they're going to continue to work. So what are they? You know, let's find them and let's learn them. So I think that's that's a really beautiful insight for like <laughs> whether you're going to go a garden or not. These principles are still the same. <laughs> absolutely. That's that's absolutely right. So do you have like a, a, a principle that you really enjoy teaching more than another from Georgics? Or one you could highlight for us. Yeah. Uh, so there's the there's the six things that we actually do. So there's the soil, grains, livestock, intensive gardening, 365-day harvest, the integrated pest and disease management. So there's those six things, okay? And, and they go through those things in the program because those are the things that you get up every day and you do. You don't even have to understand the principles, and we don't need the dictionary to look up all of the principles of, of providence and self-validation. If you just get up and you're doing the farm work, meaning you are taking care of another living thing, whether it's a plant or an animal or a family member or yourself, if you get up and you take care of it, it builds the principles in your own life. You know, what you were just saying about um, struggle, people struggling today with all the anxiety and all the other problems, it's so incredibly true. Uh, I, I think we, we have so many blessings of, of ease, and I hate, I hate to be non-sympathetic to the people who suffer because those sufferings are real. I think we need something to fight for. Uh, you know, we, we need something to fight for more than like take out the trash and make your bed that that wasn't that's not enough work to fight for you know you you mentioned the soldiers uh, uh you know freezing to death in valley forge why do we tell these stories because they had something to fight for and they did fight so by going through the work of taking care of a garden those plants or chickens or ducks or whatever you choose for a georgic product project when you get to the end of that project, you are a different person because you got up seven days a week for however many hours a day it takes to do your chores. You build within yourself character and you know that you can do something of a value. So, you know, just get up and do the work. But so many of the times in our lives, we don't have to get up. Uh, my my daughter was at a friend's house this last week and there was a big snowstorm so she stayed there the night because the road was closed and she couldn't get home because we do live in the mountains you know it's it's a common thing where we are so it wasn't a big deal it was just like a phone call and we're like okay but uh, the next morning they, the roads were so bad that they canceled school for her friend and the, and the mom came in and said oh you don't have to get up you can the guys can sleep in they canceled school I think that is a problem of our time because life is so easy. We don't have to get up anymore. Uh, and, you know, it's a blessing of our time, but at the same time, ease is our enemy. I love how you said that. I, I once visited, um, I have one of my friends from college, her family runs a family farm in Idaho and um, we went to go visit and I was like, oh, you don't have a do you have a milk cow or anything just because i was curious and she's like i don't have teenagers anymore so i don't need a milk cow <laughs> and i was like what's the point of a milk cow with teenagers she's like 
get them out of bed every morning and get them home every night. Because if they don't, the cow's dead and they owe me however much money that cow was. <laughs> and so like, it's pretty funny. I was like, oh, maybe when I have teenage boys, I'll get a cow so to get them up every morning, get them home every night. But I thought it was pretty, it's, it's, it's interesting because I really like how you phrase like, if you have something that you take care of. And I think in uh, the world's message for a lot of to my generation is it's too much work to be a parent because taking care of someone requires too much of a sacrifice. It's not worth it. And so you see a lot of 30 somethings choosing not to get married or choosing not to have kids because there's just not like, it'll take you down. It'll be a drag. It's a waste, you know? And it's, you know, it's exhausting. Like, I mean, my little, my youngest is four, is three and we're barely sleeping. So there's been 10 years that I have not slept. And I could look back at my peers who don't have children and be like, oh, that was smart. You slept for 10 years, like, you know? But if you think about it, like, you know, in 10 years from now, my life is gonna be, it's way more fulfilling right now, but I also like, the I have a lot more purpose. I have a lot more reason for being because I have four little ones that need me and I get a lot of, you know, meaning out of that, right? So it's kind of a, a sad message we are telling, culture's telling us, but there's so much truth in taking care of someone. And I don't understand exactly how it works, but it's a true principle. Right, yeah. Um, and that's the problem with some of the principles. It is hard to to explain them. You know, you mentioned the thing about, uh, what do we call it, zero population. I hate to sound political, but that is a messaging that's been taught my entire life, and I'm turning 50 this year. Uh, the idea of not having big families was a popular thing. I have friends with big families that go into the grocery store. Uh, I think uh, one of my friends, they had like eight kids or something. And they had four, they took the boys to the, the mom took the boys to the grocery store. And some lady was just really yelling at her saying, don't you know the food's running, the, the planet's running out of food. Don't you know that we can't feed all these people? How dare you have all these kids? Anyway, when she left, she turned to the boys and said, Man, it's a good thing we didn't bring the girls today. <laughs> have eight kids walking around. But so that's kind of a funny story. But but let's I love demographics. So let's just do the math super quick. And I think this really ties into the importance of why we're doing this whole Georgics project and why we created it in the first place, is we have to fight against the the popular things that are taught today that are completely false. And there's people in the media, not like the mainstream, not if you watch the news, not, not that media, but if you search for professionals who are talking about the big picture of the world, you can find people starting to talk about this now. But let's just do a math problem real quick. Let's say you have 2 million total population of people and they, they all pair off and now you have 1 million couples and they each have one child in that next generation now you have 1 million people. Okay. So let me back up. We started with 2 million total and they all have one child. Okay. Each couple has one child. So now it's 1 million. So that generation, they pair off and they have one child. Now you have 500,000 people. Let's keep going. You do it again. The next generation has 250,000. Well, after you do this a whole bunch of times, you have zero people in the next generation. And this is one of the biggest problems facing the entire earth right now. I think there's only five countries, the last report I saw, 
that are having enough kids to replace their own population. The United States is one. I think New Zealand. I, I don't I'm not prepared to tell you that information, but I think there's only five countries who are um, having kids at a birth rate that replaces their own population. China stopped their one child policy a while back. I don't know how far long ago it was. I'd have to do the research. It was maybe eight years or something, eight, 10 years. I'm not sure. But they they took away their one-child policy, and they started telling their people the opposite thing. They said, start having kids. And they tried to do government incentives to get people to have more kids because they realized they weren't going to have a workforce anymore. Well, the Chinese young people, they're not having kids. And it's, it's going to be a disaster for their country. Um, Japan right now. Uh, they have an amazing amount of old people compared to young people. They, I, I heard uh, somebody being interviewed a few months ago, and they said that there's a fun statistic that in Japan there are more adult diapers for super old people sold than baby diapers being sold in the, when you just look at sales in the country. And so this is a, a major thing. And we we need to be i mean this is one of the whole reasons that me and tiffany put the thing together is there are so many things being taught in the world that are absolutely false except people are falling for it people are actually doing it people people did stop having kids because it wasn't popular it wasn't fun it you had to be something besides selfish to have a family and so but this is just one example, and I went into this quite a bit uh, just to kind of flush out the example, but me and Tiffany sat down and we were talking about like 25 or 30 things when we put this Georgix thing together, because without the understanding the things that we get from Georgix, our entire system falls apart. I mean, food is the obvious one. Because uh, uh, people who are Georgic, they they create food. We're farmers. We, you know, uh, people who create homes, they're Georgic. They're builders. People who create the products, they are the ones who are supplying everybody else with the things that we commonly go purchase that we need every day. I I actually found out that, that in Hungary, if you are a woman and you have four children, you never have to pay um, taxes again in your life. So I'm like, I should move to Hungary. You <laughs> know, that's how that's, big of that's it. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it. I I was just um. I just read a book called Beginning of the the, the end of the world is just the beginning. But basically, it's by a, a geo political. Yeah. Geo yeah. I I, I listened to that this week with my headphones yeah. in my while I was working in my greenhouse. Yeah, that was Peter Zion. I think. Yeah, Peter Zion. Yeah. So I listened. Yeah. I listened to that and read his book, and I was just like, "Whoa, wait! I did not know this. I did not know, like, how interconnected and how many hands your iPhone touches before you get it, and how many countries. It was like ninety something countries your iPhone goes through before you get an iPhone, and that's all dependent on a workforce that's stable, but." As the you know decrease in age hits, it's like it's like he said ten years, ten years, and then China's boom gone, like because yeah. Anyways, it was super super fascinating book. I don't agree with everything he said because I think humans are amazingly adaptable, so we will probably adapt. Will we have the same life? I don't know, but I don't. I'm not as gloom as as he is, but <laughs> it was super fascinating. And and I also think it's interesting because um, my husband and I were talking about. 
um, republics and how frail they are. Because if you look in the history of the world, like Romans Republic really only lasted. If you t if you talk if you talk about the Punic Wars being the beginning of the end, it was like 250 years. You know, and the democracy in Greece that was even shorter. So it's like there are these glimpses in society where we're like, well, the people can be sovereign and rule themselves, but they're so small compared to what the rest of the world is. And, and, and so like, just the idea of sovereignty is so precious, yet so hard to grasp and people barely, rarely as a society get. And so I just love that, you know, if we can understand the principles that can make us sovereign and make us Georgic, then that's how we can keep our freedom. But if we don't, then that's how we surrender it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, I just think that the the principles we learn nowadays, they make us, meaning from like the Georgic principles, they make us skeptical. And that is a, a really healthy thing. When we think about things like the one child policy, um, we we tend to believe what experts tell us in today's world. And that's fine to the point that the experts are right. But most of the time, the experts are wrong to some extent. So the, the Georgic principles that we talk about and we learn about, it makes us skeptical because when we go out and plant the garden, it's not the same thing every year. Nothing in agriculture can be prescriptive, meaning uh, we don't have a plan that works the same every year because every year is different because ecology changes every single year. So you can't just go out there and expect your garden to grow the same as it did last year. It won't. If it did, robots could grow all our food. But we have to be involved with it because there will be conditions. The rain's going to come different. The sun will be different. Everything will be different. Um, insects. Just the way that the microbes are, the microbe life, the microbiome is acting this year will be different than last year. So I I heard an ecologist recently saying that there's over 10,000 known, meaning we know about it, there are over 10,000 known interactions that happen in a normal farm field anywhere on the earth at any one time. And, and, and so this is, inc I mean, how do you even catalog that? I don't know. I'd hate to be the, the PhD student trying to figure all that out. But it's just fascinating because we think that it's easy. Oh, yeah, dig a hole, put a seed in, it'll grow, and it'll feed you. Because it did last year. Well, yeah, I mean, I've had years where certain plants did awesome. And that happened once in my life. And I've been gardening for over 40 years. And every other year, you have to do different things. So the human is the creation upon the earth that has to interact with the earth and love it so that it will bring forth whatever it is we need. And every year it's a little bit different, but that makes us skeptical. It makes us not believe it when politicians say things that sound good. And, and if you have a whole group of people, if you have an entire society that votes for things that sound good, that's when we fall into, you know, all the things we don't want, meaning we lose our freedoms, whether it's socialism or a dictatorship or whatever. 
but we lose those freedoms because we are not skeptical and we simply believe the experts. And that is a hard sale today because most people believe experts because we spent, most of us spent 12 years in school being forced to believe the expert. Maybe not so much in this uh, community of homeschoolers, but but the society. And then we go on to college for a four-year degree, being forced to believe the experts, because if you don't believe them and you get really creative on your test, you're going to flunk out and you're not even in college anymore. So you have to put on the test what they told you was true. And for the most part, it's true within reason. But see, my uh, brother-in-law went to a medical school and he had this fascinating teacher um, towards the end of his uh, med school. And he said, we are teaching you everything that we know to be true. The minute you get your license and you are practicing on your own, it is your job to find out where we were wrong. And I thought that was awesome because that is the absolute truth. We can believe experts to a point, but we need to know the foundation of what is true and false, what is right and wrong, and what is good and bad. And, and the Georgic projects do that. Because if you have your flock of ducks or your beehive or your garden and you decide to do it completely different, you have two options. Either everything's going to die because you decide not to feed it for two weeks or you come up with something purely genius and it revolutionizes all of agriculture. And, and so we need the genius, but we need to really understand that um, experts are only expert to the point that a whole bunch of people are believing them. It's not because they're right all the time. Yeah, and I also, like, as you were talking, it made me think about, I just read Tiffany's and Anelody's book, The New Commonwealth School, and um, they were talking about how in order to get the world we live in with this, we needed highly trained experts. You know, like, when you're first trying to write code, you, you really have to be a highly trained expert to get that to, that perfect code in, in the computer and develop that app, right? But it's like, if, if you become too expert or too much in a cog, then you just become a, 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 like a master-slave relationship, right? You If you can't think and you just act. And now we have the rise of AI, and like, at what point does that make it so we become more master-slave relationship, which is harmful to both people? And and so I think it's interesting to, to just think about like, my what is my relationship to the things around me and do i have the ability to question them and do i know how to ask the questions and then how to get answers i think that is so crucial to to teaching your children in today's world like how do you how do you know what you don't know and how do you get it <laughs> yeah exactly and, and i think that's where the classics come in we always go back to the original sources you know i've put together uh, what i call the the master's program for anybody who's ever you know graduated from a georgics class and i started that last year but we go back to the uh to original sources for everything um you know, so I have a whole list of great people who have influenced me in my life. And I don't really like to tell my students about those people and how awesome they are. And in fact, that's about where I leave it. I just say, okay, go read their stuff. And then I let them learn from the books. And that's what the classics are, because if we just tell everybody, 
uh, how great it is. It becomes an oral tradition that changes with every single generation. But if you can go back to the classic, then it keeps the greatness that our uh, parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, and back even, you know, for many generations, those foundations of freedom and, you know, original sources are so important for that. I know one of my favorite highlights of my day is reading the Bible with my, my kids and just being able to, you know, right now we're reading the New Testament and we read the, the Old Testament. The Old Testament was a lot harder, but the New Testament is a little bit easier for them to understand. They're eight and ten, and we were just reading the Sermon on the Mount, and um, we were talking about the lilies, you know, and we're like, well, what's a lily? And like, well, lilies are kind of flower, and well, what does it mean to toil? And like, we had this really beautiful discussion, right? Which I remember having a similar discussion with my mom and my grandma, and so it's like. But if I had just told them, oh, yeah, there's this is a lily, you know, like it's not the same, right? It's it's so much more powerful for me to sit down and open the Bible and, and just read with them and then talk with them and share with them and and have them have that transfer of soul that comes with reading a classic. It's so much more impactful than me telling us. I mean, I, it's, there's places to tell stories, but to just read the original source is so much more impactful. It's so yeah. Beautiful. I love what you said. I love that uh, the transfer of soul. I think that is the entire thing that we tried to create with the Georgics program. When me and Tiffany sat down and invented this whole thing, that was the key right there, a transfer of soul. I mean, how, how do you how do you do that? You know, I think if we knew how to do that, the world would be a completely different place. Um, and and when you really become uh, you know, uh, a partner with these people who have passed on and left their words in the classic, or you get to know someone who is alive, who really has something to offer, like a really great mentor, that's when that transfer of soul happens. Well, thank you so much for spending. This has been an awesome, phenomenal. I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this because it's going to be so life-changing. <laughs> But what are you doing now? If someone wanted to find you, where could they find you? Okay, so um, I have a pretty fun website, and it's easy for this group to remember. It's uh, www.georgicrevolution.com. So, and all my information's there. Um, I'm teaching classes online. I am teaching classes here. I have a boot camp that you can come to. Uh, like three or four times a year, maybe every month if I get a lot of people wanting to come. But it's a it's a camp. You come for three days. You work in my greenhouse. I teach you how to feed your own family with the latest science that we know about and the old time wisdom that's been passed down for a hundred generations of agriculture. And then I have my 17-week boot camp, and that is designed for probably college-aged kids because you're going to be here living on your own, um, like in, like here on site next to my house in a camper or, or whatever. If you're adventurous, you could live in a tent. But uh, eventually, we want to get some housing built. That's coming. 
And for 17 weeks of our short growing season here, you will be working with me every day. My goal is to teach you everything I know about food production because we need more farmers. I know in the last couple of years, there's been a lot on the news about food shortages. We do not have food shortages in the world. We have farmer shortages in the world. And so I'm trying to solve that societal need of training farmers who can grow food. And we do it in a unique way. We focus on the soil health so you don't have to buy fertilizer. You never buy a pesticide. You never buy an herbicide. You just fix the ecology in the environment where you live and the plants will grow themselves. So that is, that's me, georgicrevolution.com. All my information's there. I just barely published a book and we're doing, we're unveiling the, uh, we're in the process of unveiling parts of it. We'll be talking about it for the next few weeks. I don't have a release date yet. I'm hoping for April 22nd, 2023, because that's my anniversary and it's Earth Day. So that's kind of fun. Your wife is amazing. And my mom really loves everything she's done with Lemmy and everything. She's really awesome. So shout out to your anniversary. Shout out to your wife. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Heidi, do you have any other questions? No, I am wondering if I could send my my soon to be 17 year old to you for boot camp. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why I built this. You know, if your kids are old enough to to live on their own, send them out here. Uh, we'll put them up in a, I've got a motorhome, a couple of campers for this year. Uh, we've got an old sheep camp we renovated. It, I mean, what 18-year-old wouldn't love to spend the summer doing that? But if you have young people who have gone through this whole Georgics thing, and then they look around the world and think, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to be a computer engineer because there's no way to ever be a farmer um that's why i built this is to train a new generation of, of farmers and we need the food when was the last time you found excellent food at the grocery store it was probably hard so we focus on the most nutrient-dense food in the world oh that's awesome it definitely so needed so needed so well thank you william so much for sharing all of this and i know it's going to get i mean i'm really excited i want to do georgics I wish I had enough time, 17 weeks to come out and spend with you to learn more. <laughs> well, I, I that's online. You can take an online option of the 17 weeks. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll plug you into the classroom every day for a couple hours. And then the hands-on part you'll do in your own garden. So, uh, so yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thank you again. This is awesome. You're welcome. And thank you guys so much. This was really fun. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.